0: just like I remembered it, there was my grandma's piano from the last time, and everything was nice and neat and everything. And he said we're going to cook some gumbo tonight, so I was pretty excited. And uh, <laughs> so I was sitting at the kitchen table, and I saw my papa, he, my grandpa. He was up there, and he was chopping up the cucumbers or whatever—not cucumbers, but the uh, celery. And, uh, and had the big old juicy gu- uh, gulf shrimp, you know, in a pile. And he was putting everything in piles. And I kept noticing he kept hitting the, the counter. He do like that. And I said, what's he doing? Keeping a beat or something? You know, so I, I looked a little closer. Then I noticed he would do like that and then do like that. I said, what is he doing? So I stood up and I walked over there. And there was little roaches would come up. And he would hit them and sling them over into the sink. And keep on cutting up, and every now and then it was like, boom! I said, "What are you doing?" He said, "Them little boogers trying to get our food." <laughs> now I don't remember exactly what happened, but I'm pretty sure I didn't eat the gumbo that night. And so, when it came time to go to bed, <laughs> I was gonna sleep on the couch. So they got me a blanket and a pillow, and I laid down. It was a nice little couch, living room, nice living room. I said, we're good. I'm going to get me some, some sleep. They turned off the lights, and everybody went to their rooms. And somewhere along the line, I was laying there and opened my eyes. And, and I looked up, and the walls seemed to be moving. Oh, no. <laughs> and I said, am, am I asleep? Am I dreaming this? Is this an illusion? And so I reached over and I grabbed a lamp and cut it on. And then it was about 10,000 roaches. They were gone. We're starting a new series tonight. Why didn't I think of that? That sounded like something I'd come up with. The new series is, is called Into the Light. We're going to start talking about God's light and the darkness of this world and such. And tonight's individual message is called, Cockroaches Come Out at Night. <laughs> but I like yours better. Cockro- she said cockroaches in the gumbo or something like that. But tonight's message is actually entitled, Cockroaches Come Out at Night. Now you know in the beginning, and I do mean in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 Verse one, if you'll turn there. We're going to start this series all the way back in the beginning. First book of the Bible, first verse. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Meaning God hadn't got his creative hands in it yet. You know, he hadn't made it the way he was just, it was just like a, a blob of chaos. Nothing formed yet. And it said, and darkness. Say darkness. Dark, darkness. Go help me preach tonight. Say darkness. darkness. Darkness covered the deep waters. But you know what? Darkness doesn't scare God. God wasn't, ooh, it's dark. <laughs> Psalms 139.12 says, To you the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and the light are the same to you. God can see as well in the darkness as he can in the light. And since God would never sin, darkness is no threat, no temptation to him. You know, he didn't create darkness for us to, to have a place to hide in sin. It just ended up that way. First John 1 John 1.5 says, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. I mean, there's nothing but glory emanating from our God. You know, when it says that we sh- abide in the shadow of the Almighty, I imagine that shadow to be full of light because there's no darkness in Him. We're abiding in glory. Not in the dark place. There, wherever God goes, the darkness is expelled. God is not afraid of light. So it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep of the water. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light. Hey, when God said it, that just makes it so. And God saw that the light was good. Say, the light was good. Light is is a good thing. Yeah, there you go. Then he separated the light from the darkness. You know, he separated light from the darkness in the beginning, and he's going to separate light from darkness in the end. So we better take heed. And I want you to notice God could have left the earth dark. He could have formed it and did whatever he wanted to and left it in the dark. But he chose to make the earth light for us. That's important. Look at your neighbor. Say, don't be a cockroach. (laughs) Because you're a child of light. Not in some little... Wall crawler in the middle of the night. But what did man do? What did old Adam and Eve do? God wanted us to live in the light, but man chose to know darkness. God wanted them to live in a perfect place where there was no sin, where there was no temptation, where they were naked and not embarrassed. There was nothing icky in the whole world, the garden in which they lived. But man exchanged our faith in God for a glimpse into the dark possibilities of man. Didn't know what they did? To know good wasn't good enough. We wanted to know darkness. We wanted to know what, was ev- what the evil had to say. So we ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We already knew good, but we wanted to know evil. This treason against God was called what? Three letters. Sin. It was treason against God. Why? Because God said, the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Don't do it! One tree in the whole garden of all the beautiful trees that were... Good for fruit and good to look at and good for shade. But don't eat of that one. But that was just like a license. You know, if you've ever been told not to do something, you you feel that same rebellion that must have been there for Adam and Eve. I don't know where they got it from, but we got it from them. (laughs) And so in doing so, because of the sin, Adam had been given dominion over the earth. You know, he was supposed to be the boss of the earth. He was supposed to say how the earth turned out. He gave his dominion over to Satan. Mm. And the earth was plunged back into chaos under a new kingdom called the kingdom of darkness. See, in this series, we're going to talk a lot about light and darkness. In fact, you can't go very far in the Bible without seeing a scripture about light or darkness. And then Adam died, just like God had promised. He said, the day you eat of that that fruit, you shall surely die. But some of you might say, well, wait a minute. I read in the Bible, Adam lived to be 970 years old. Oh, he did physically. But he died spiritually. Sad. That's, that's, That's where you don't want to die, because that's the eternal part of you. That's the most important part. I'd rather be right with God spiritually and die physically than right physically and die spiritually. So he died just like God had promised. His foolish heart became darkened and he died spiritually. And since, of course, we're all of the bloodline of Adam, we're his descendants, we're all born into this same condition. Turn to Romans 5.12 and I'll... Back it up with the Word of God. Romans chapter 5. It says in verse 12, When Adam sinned, (coughs) sin entered the world. See, there was no sin in the garden previously. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. See, what Adam's sin and his death did was caused us to be born dead. But it's all right because it didn't take us long to, to die ourselves because we chose sin right off the bat as soon as we was old enough to steal a cookie or something, you know. Right? So, so we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we can't all just blame it on Adam because we have fallen into the same darkness. Ephesians 2.2 says, Talking to Christians, the church at Ephesus, he's explaining that once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. See, we were dead before we became Christians. We were dead spiritually, born dead spiritually, just like Adam. No connection to God. (sighs) Who is life? What is life? It's God. God is life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So to be dead is to have no life, right? In the truest sense of the word, it's not just, you know, falling over from a heart attack, he's dead. But death is separation from the life, separation from your life source. So when we say spiritually dead, we mean in big trouble. We were all in big trouble trouble once we were dead because of our disobedience and our many sins and i that's all of us and i i'm not even gonna ask you to raise your hand on that one he's talking to these christians i know he's talking to us you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world (laughs) obeying the devil the commander of the powers of the unseen world he is the spirit at work in the heart of those who refuse to obey god and we have all been there. Even those of us who were saved as a little ba- uh, little kid or something. As soon as we got old enough to receive Christ, we had received him, but we were already dead before that. We had already, were old enough to know how to do wrong. We were good at it. The earth itself was tainted by this infectious sin disease. I didn't say skin disease. But the earth was infected with this Infectious sin disease. I'm talking about the literal earth, the dirt, the clay, the sand, the oceans, the rivers, the mountains, the prairies. Everything was infected because of the sin. See, it's a serious deal when Adam sinned because God created us to live in this paradise where everything worked for us. There was no hard labor. Adam was not coming home in the afternoons, I hope God don't come by today because I'm just too tired. (laughs) He walked with God in the cool of the day, and it was just like glory. It was good because everything worked for Adam back in the day. But now everything is infected. In Romans 8.20, it says, against its will, the earth didn't want this to happen, all creation was subject to subjected that's hard to say subjected I'm sorry subjected to God's curse the whole earth but with eager hope the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay see the earth is experiencing the same death and decay we are see because we have because because Adam died spiritually, his physical body eventually succumbed to the same curse and the pool of this earth. And sin caused God to put a limit on how long he can put up with us. At one point he said, man, 120 years, and that's it. You know, And that's about as long as we know of anybody living these days. So anyway, for we all know that creation has been groaning as the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. You know, they, you can call it what you want to. You can call it global warming, climate change. You can, you can say, man, the, the intensity of the hurricanes and the intensity of the earthquakes and the volume of these things is getting more and more. And, and the Bible tells us that they will. And, and all the things that's going on we see in the earth, man, it's just groaning. It's like, oh, somebody release me from this body of death. And if you're a Christian and you know anything about the world to come, you kind of feel the same way. What is all this gravity? (laughs) I'm constantly being pulled down. I can't be free. It's all because of sin. See, just to start this message off right, let's just explain something. God doesn't like sin. He doesn't think it's a joke. He doesn't even laugh about it when we try to make light of it. I don't believe. It's just a bad thing because it kills people. It robs people of their future with Him and their hope. There's nothing pretty about sin and what it's done to mankind and what it's doing to mankind. Look around you, not in here, but look around you, people that are just slaves to sin, what it does. In their life, it's, it's horrible. How many saw the movie The Lion King? If you have kids, I know, you don't even have to raise your hand. I love that movie. That's a good movie. But do you remember what happened when, I guess it was, Mufasa was killed or whatever? Mufasa. Mufasa was killed and Scar became the king. Do you remember how beautiful the pride lands were when they got up in the morning the, ooh, blah, 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 you know, and the, and they walked out on the cliff and everything and the sunlight would come up and then all of a sudden scars the king and now it's dark and dreary and there's no grass left and it ain't nothing but dust and, and the shadows and, and fire coming up out of the earth? We think the earth is beautiful now. Can you imagine what it must have looked like? Before the fall of man and before sin entered in and death and decay took hold of the earth as we know it. The earth is waiting for the rightful king to come back and to break the power of darkness. And so are we. Just like in the Pride Lands, they were waiting for Simba to come and take control, the sun. We're waiting for Jesus. Hallelujah. You see, God gave man free will, and with it had come the potential for darkness to be inhabited by sin. God created the light, but He also created the day and the night. There was darkness. But He didn't intend for the darkness to be inhabited by sin. But because of man's free will to choose evil, that is what that is what has happened. And mankind, for the most part, I guess God looks down and it looks like a bunch of cockroaches scattering. A <laughs> bunch of night dwellers. It's got to be sickening to God. At one point, you know, he, he had a flood to wipe out the whole earth. It's like he called in a exterminator or something, you know. It's like, can't deal with this. When the whole earth, except for eight righteous people... You, the whole earth is, is so bent on sin that there's no chance for them to even repent. I mean, they're not, they're, there's, they don't even see the need to repent, that God has to wipe them out just to, for the, the existence of future generations to even be able to, be, to exist. There's something wrong with man. We don't understand the depths of the sin problem. I mean, we're Christians for the most part. If I know everybody in here, we're Christians. And we have the Spirit of God. And we know the temptations that we face. And we know what this flesh pulls on us and and the things that it wants to do, we know it shouldn't want to do. Can you imagine the darkness people live in that don't know anything about Jesus? That are completely under the yoke and under the control of Satan himself. Don't be surprised... Next thing you see on the news, is in, this, in the Bible, sin is always equated with darkness. You often see the two terms linked together. For example, Ephesians 5.11, we're told to take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Evil and darkness go hand in hand. It says instead, expose them. Expose what are the, the sinful things. So that and he's talking to the Christians, so he's saying expose them so that we'll know not to do that. So that's that's what we'll do for the next few minutes. Romans one twenty one, we're going to expose some of the results of, of letting sin have its way. It says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. You maybe know somebody like that. They know that there's a God. I used to go to church when I was little. Yeah, I believe in God. But they won't come to church now. They don't worship Him. They don't give Him thanks. They live the way they want to live. And then then it says, and then they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Hello? People making up their own Bible stories. People thinking... All kind of crazy stuff about Jesus. Making up a Jesus that the Bible doesn't say anything about. Cults and so forth. The Muslims say that Jesus was just a good man, a prophet. Cult. Anybody that says that Jesus isn't the Son of God, isn't God himself in the flesh, is a cult. They're not talking about the same Jesus. We don't worship the same God. Their Allah is somebody totally different. Than our Jehovah, just in case you was wondering, <clears throat> where was I at? But I'm just preaching on all kinds of stuff. I need to get back to my notes. They didn't worship him. They don't give him thanks. They begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Darkness and confusion often go together. Because when you're in the dark, you're confused. <laughs> all right. Unless you're a cockroach. I think they got little antennas or something. I don't know. The worst kind of darkness is denying your own light source. God. These people knew God, but they denied Him. They chose to live in darkness. They didn't want to come to the light. Ephesians 4.18 says, Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Closed minds, hardened hearts, foolish ideas, only interested in lustful pleasures. 1 John 2.11 says, But anyone who hates a fellow believer... Now, this has got to be talking about Christians, right? So, is sin only limited to the non-Christians? Because this has got to be talking about a Christian if it's a fellow believer. Anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Obviously, the darkness you should have came out of when you got saved and the love of Christ came into your heart. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. So just because you're a Christian don't mean you're walking in the light. It means the light is available to to you. And maybe you once were walking in the light, but you, you can slip back over into darkness because we still battle this flesh, and we still have a nemesis Named the devil, who tries to blind us with darkness, harden our hearts, close our mind, keep us dark and confused to deny our own light source. So, if you don't love those around you, if you confess to be a believer but you got hatred in your heart for another fellow believer, don't fool yourself. You're not walking in the light. You're walking in darkness. You're acting like an unbeliever who, should, who sh- doesn't know any better, but you do. Matthew 6.22. Let's turn to that one. Is any of this making sense? The hardest thing about tonight's sermon for me is to know I'm doing a series and, and not just preach the whole thing at once. I mean, I know where I want to go. I'm just laying a foundation tonight, but really deep down inside, it's hard for me to just stay right where I'm at and not jump ahead and tell you the whole good news. But you got to keep coming back because we're going to build layer upon layer, precept upon precept, and by the time we paint the whole picture, you'll, you'll walk away uh, so much more in tune with the reality of darkness and light. Matthew 6, 22. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. Say darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? We live in a world where everywhere we lay our eyes, there's an opportunity to look at darkness. And so it's extremely difficult with the media-driven society in which we live, the billboards everywhere, the magazines laid out everywhere, The TVs, the cell phones, everything at our disposal. It is extremely difficult, and you have to be extremely diligent to keep your eyes pure. I'm not perfect at it, but I'm trying, and I'm trying to get better, and I'm making hard decisions. Many of you may see I hadn't said happy birthday on Facebook in a while because I just think it's... it's, It's not helping my eyes because what goes in my eyes—I mean, none of it. I'm not saying I'm watching anything bad on there. It just seems to be a time waster, and I'm not. It seems like I'm always preaching against this stuff, but somebody has to wake us up to the fact that we're the fields are white to harvest, and we're spending eight hours a day on Facebook. I'm sorry. I'm glad that you send out posts that says how much you love Jesus. But you know what people that don't love Jesus do? When they see that, they just keep going. I'm sorry, but you're not reaching really very many people with that. If that's, what, if that's, that's your justification. But I, I don't mean to get on Facebook. <clears throat> but I'm going to tell you, if you click on any video on Facebook, it's going to be another one comes on afterward. And it's going to be another one comes on afterward, and somewhere down the line, it's going to start to be stuff that you shouldn't be watching. And I don't care who you are, if you're already watching one, you're going to start to watch the next one. Pretty soon, something's going to go in your eyes, and it's going to get planted in your heart. And if your eyes be full of darkness, then your whole body becomes full of Darkness. Guard your heart with all diligence, it says in Proverbs. For out of it flow the issues of life. Guard your ears and your eyes. What goes in is planted in the field of your heart, and it springs up into a harvest of what you don't want if you're looking at darkness. We claim to be children of the light, but we have all this darkness and this fear and these anxieties and all these things grabbing hold of us, and I'm I'm supposed to be free. I'm a child of God. I don't understand it. It amazes me, That when I hear Christian parents say, Well, I let my children watch scary movies. And I hear it all the time. I I hear I know people that they think nothing's wrong with scary movies. Meanwhile, they've never reached their potential because they're scared to do anything. Why would you intentionally allow fear to come into your child's life? Fear is an enemy. Unless it's the fear of God, man, I'm preaching on stuff that I didn't need, had no business. Whew. Keep your eyes on the light. This is a lamp unto my path, a light unto my feet, or is it light unto my path a lamp unto my feet? This this is. This has many lumens. All right. <clears throat> I'm not saying just go around reading the Bible all day, but don't allow yourself to be sucked into the things of this world. We ha- if we want to be light and salt on the earth, we have to preserve what God has given us. We can't compromise. We can't. <clears throat> you see, God chose the people for himself. All right, now remember we talked about in the beginning, God created and he created the earth to be full of light. And he created a garden to be perfect. And man sinned. And darkness swept across the earth. And even the earth itself is groaning. And now the devil and the kingdom of darkness has dominion over the earth. And since God is the man of his word, he's not just going to come in and he's got to do it legally. So he finds a man, Abraham who will operate by faith, he finds a covenant partner who's willing to give his son. So God says, I'll be able to give my son. So he's finding avenues to get back in, to bring light into the world. Okay, and he chooses for himself a people called Israel. Israel was nobody special. They were a small country. They weren't particularly talented or anything unusual about them. God just chose a people that he could show himself himself strong in, and began to use them as an example. He could show his light in them and subsequently through them. And through their bloodline, he would bring in to the light, the light of the world that would change things forever. See, God has a plan to change this dark world and, and light begin to, to come back. And one day, it will be all light again. It says we'll not even have need for the sun because God's glory itself will be our light, right? So it's coming, but in the meantime, people are dying in this condition, in this darkness. And so we are to be what? The light of the world. We're supposed to reflect God's glory. Well, anyway, these Israelites, they find themselves in slavery in Egypt. and They've been slaves for 400 years, so God goes to set them free. He sends a man named Moses. Now, there's all kinds of stories that go on there, but you know there were 10 plagues that God put on the people, the the Pharaoh of Egypt to make him release his people. And one of them was darkness. God's people were living in a town called Goshen right beside all the Egyptians and Pharaoh and, and all his group. It says in Exodus 10, 21, that the Lord said to Moses, lift your hand towards heaven. And the land of Egypt will be covered with darkness so thick that you can feel it. So Moses lifted his hand to the sky and a deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for three days. And that would drive the History Channel nuts trying to figure out how that happened naturally. They, they think everything got to happen natural. Well, this is supernatural darkness. God, and Egypt is a type shadow of the world. When you see Egypt, it's usually a type shadow of this world's system. And so darkness has enveloped the whole earth of or, or, or the world, so to speak, by enveloping Egypt for three days. Three days. I don't know if that has any symbolism towards Jesus being in the tomb for three days and the darkness is so thick that it's palatable because the Messiah is in the tomb. You you imagine the darkness at that time? Even the angels are probably wincing, ooh, biting their nails. Jesus is in the tomb. But anyway, there's darkness over the land for three days and during all the time, the people could not even see each other. No one even moved. It's so thick. But it says there was light as usual where the people of Israel lived there was light in Goshen. God's people can live in the light even in this dark world. It's difficult. I understand. But it's our obligation. It is what the Lord deserves of us to live as lights in this dark world. It's what Lost humanity needs is a people that will stand up and be ye separated from the world and shine as lights in this dark generation in which we live. And you weren't called for such a time as this to just fit in. You were called to shine as lights. That people may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine before men. This is what you were called to do. You think, well, I don't do much. I don't know how to preach. I don't know how. You can let your light shine. Everybody can let your light shine. Exodus 13, three chapters later, it says, The Lord went ahead of them. Verse 21, He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and He provided a light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or night. God gave them the light in the daytime, and he gave it to them at night. We don't have to walk in the darkness. And then later on, he gave Moses the tablets of stone, the law, the Ten Commandments. It ended up being 613 commandments overall throughout the Torah. 613 laws that man was supposed to understand that they were to obey. It was to help them and to help us, future generations, realize our propensity for darkness. First thing mankind did, jumped up, yeah, the pride of, you know, well, I can obey those. I can do that. I can work my way to heaven. But it didn't take long for all of them to realize, no, we can't. We can't be something that is not in us. We can't be good. We can't be holy without the Holy One in us. We can, apart from God, we can do nothing. We can't obey the law. So the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to the, the light, which is who we'll discuss in a future message. I don't want to give everything away, but it was God's idea. You know, you've heard me say you've got to get them lost before you can get them found. That was God's idea first. That's what he did by the law. It showed every man his need for a savior because none of them could keep it. So get them lost before you get them found because people ain't interested in coming out of darkness if they don't realize they're in darkness. (laughs) You can just get used to the cockroaches. My grandfather obviously had. Didn't think nothing of it. Mm. <laughs> Don't get used to cockroaches. We must choose to be people of the light. You know, it's 6,000 years, some odd years, since, since Adam's decision. But here today, was it August 8th or 9th? August 9th, 2017. And we have the same decision before us. The same decision will be before you again tomorrow. Is God's light enough for you? Or do you have to mix in some of the world's darkness to feel like it makes your life complete? I'm speaking to me and to everybody. Is God's light enough for you? Or do you feel like, well, I want to do mostly what God wants to, but I'm still holding on to these things of the world. We still have our free will. God hadn't taken it from us. You know, back in my party days, I used to not leave the house. I, was, I didn't probably get start getting dressed until 9, 30, or 10 o'clock. No, I'm talking about at night. In my party days, you know, nothing started happening until 11, 30, or twelve. And so, I, you know, I'd sleep all afternoon as a teenager and get up and, you know, 9 o'clock, 9.30, it's time to take a shower and get ready to go out. 1 Thessalonians 5, 7 says, Night is the time when people sleep and when drinkers get drunk. I was not a sleeper, I was a drinker. Which one are you? Romans 13, 12 says, The night is almost gone. And the day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Jesus is coming back. Do you want it? How do you want him to find you when he comes back? Like a thief in the night at an unexpected hour. Because we belong to the day we must live decent lives for all to see. See, this is, this is common sense. God just breaking it down for us here. Just live a decent life so other people can see your good deeds. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or sexual promiscuity or immoral living or quarreling and jealousy. He's breaking it down just to human emotions that control some of our lives. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on Christ. Put on the light of the world. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Don't be cockroach. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be a cockroach. The good news is that the light always overcomes darkness. I'm going to give you an example. I know you've probably seen this before. All right. Some of you are thinking, but I don't have just a little light. I've been a Christian just this long or whatever. And cut that off for me. All right, we've still got, a, we, we got about 95% darkness in here, right? Thank you. There we go. All right, so it's kind of dark in here, and you're thinking... All this darkness, there's 95% darkness in here. If a light were to strike just a little match or something right now, this darkness, this thick darkness would just tear it up. It would consume it, wouldn't it? It would snuff it out. But wait a minute. Those are just little bitty lights. And they're blue. They're not even bright lights. But you know what? They're still shining. The darkness couldn't put them out. The darkness could try to attack them lights, but it can't because light over, overcomes darkness. You're saying, but, you know, that's all the light I have, so I, I, can't, I can't see to, to walk in it much. But then you come to church, and then, then there's a little, oh, look at that flicker, ooh, ooh. Some, somebody on your road, somebody on your road starting to get Jesus, woo! Look at him. <laughs> somebody on your is getting fired up. That's why we come to church. And so somebody on your row sitting next to you adds their light to the mix. Then you begin to say, oh, I can almost see my Bible now. I can see to start thinking and walking straight. And then when a few people get all excited, then the praise team gets excited. You know, you know light comes on. For you know it. Whoa, 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 look at it, look. Everywhere, we start encouraging one another and the church comes together. And then them colored lights come on on the stage and we begin to glorify God. But I want you to know it don't matter if you're the smallest light bulb in here right now. If you you have very little understanding of the Bible, all you need is Jesus to get started. Keep coming to church and we'll let our lights shine together and and illuminate each, each other's situation and give give wise counsel to one another help each other through our problems and let our lights show shine that we'll be a city on a hill psalms eighteen twenty eight says you light a lamp for me the lord my god lights up my darkness don't be a cockroach there's no excuse to be a cockroach you can be a born again child of god and you can grow in your light As I was writing a closing statement, things began to rhyme. And I'm sorry, this is terrible poetry, but as it was coming out rhyming, I just stayed with it, you know. In darkness hide my shame, guilt, fears, and insecurity. There I mask my loneliness, bitterness, Hatred, every impurity. In darkness, the worst of me I hope to conceal. But God sees it all through every wall I've tried to build. He says, come to me, to the light where I am is revealed. It's in the face of Jesus. Run to my son so that you may be healed. Next week, we'll get into more about the light. I know we talked a lot about darkness tonight, but it's not going to be all about sin and darkness. We're just setting a, we're setting a uh, groundwork. groundwork. We're setting a frame, a foundation from which to build so we can begin to understand our obligation to be the light of this world. Can we pray? Mm-hmm. <laughs>